Well, again, it's good to be with you, uh, everyone. Welcome. Uh, my name is Evan. If we haven't met, I'm looking forward to uh, eventually meeting you in person. Um, <laughs> I might be wearing a mask and we might be uh, um, maybe exchanging air handshakes or high fives, but whatever it is, it's okay. It's nice to meet you digitally. And for the rest of you, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be with you. Um, we're certainly uh, in the midst of a crisis. And, uh, you know, I was just reading this past week um, and, and realizing how blessed we are that through a pandemic, through a, a global crisis like this, uh, we're still very blessed to have the resources that we have um, in, in this country and in the state that we're in. And, and uh, even though I know things may seem chaotic, uh, we certainly are very blessed. There is a country that I had read about um, that has only 55 ICU beds, okay? Only 55 for the entire country of 30 plus million people. And uh, so it just, it was very humbling to hear. And uh, of course, our prayers go out to these other places that don't have the access and uh, the medical care that, 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 that uh, we're blessed with. So we, one, praise God for that. Uh, and, and two, we pray for our, our brothers and sisters around the world and our friends around the world who uh, are still grappling with this. Uh, we're going to be saddling up because obviously, you know, we're going to be in this for the long haul. <laughs> uh, we don't know how long it'll be, but uh, but um, we're, we're, we want to be prepared. Now, crisis can bring about a lot of interesting feelings um, and, and there's different perspectives of what a crisis can look like. Obviously, there's personal existential crises, There's global crises uh, like we are experiencing right now. And I was recently um, shown a Chinese character for crisis. It's made up of two uh, characters from other words uh, that are brought together to form the word crisis in written Chinese. Um, if I said Vietnamese, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but the word crisis in Chinese, okay. And this is a more poetic way to say it, uh, but uh, here's what it looks like. Now, the first character comes from a word, another word for danger. The crisis can be a very dangerous thing, right? There's things going on, whether it's internal, whether it's like what we're experiencing right now, global, where there's an unforeseen future. We're not really sure uh, what's happening, what will happen. Uh, there are things that are being lost and taken away. There are, there are um, you know, broken relationships. There's economic crises. There's all these different things which can occur in the midst of a crisis. But the second word, uh, or the second character in the Chinese word crisis, is very interesting. It's from the word opportunity. So this poetic word uh, is, is putting danger and opportunity together. Because in a way, if you think about it, a crisis shifts things around and there are new opportunities for things, right? There are opportunities, of course, to lose things, but there's also much opportunity to gain things believe it or not. There's new medical advances. Uh, there are new uh, ways of doing things and new opportunities to connect to other people that we might not have thought of before. So a crisis can stir up many different things. And I think for the Christian, especially, there is opportunity for us to grow uh, even in the midst of a crisis. One thing that I'm hearing over and over, the, the, one of the, the bigger feelings that I am that I'm hearing about as I'm interacting with everybody, uh, with all of you online, and also in my own family, in my own home, and myself, is this overwhelming feeling that is brought on by this crisis. And that, that feeling is disappointment. 
disappointment. Disappointment. Disappointment is is when our expectation of how things should happen or go down is not met. Indeed, in fact, disappointment sets in because you think, okay, life is going to go in a certain way. Maybe a relationship is going to go a certain way. A certain job is going to happen. And then suddenly everything that you thought was lined up gets derailed. And the feeling that is brought on is this big disappointment. Like, man, this is how it should have been. And we're all struggling and grappling with feelings of disappointment as we've noticed that this crisis has sort of uh, shifted our lives around. There have been great disturbances to our routines. Uh, there's been disturbances to our life plans and goals. And it's brought some things to a total halt. To be quite frank, I'm talking about things like weddings. Uh, I've talked to numerous weddings, uh, um, brides and grooms of weddings. And they have uh, shared their, their immense embarrassment and, and disappointment about having to cancel and, or suspend their perfect wedding date and venue. They've had to uh, call all of their relatives, and it's, it's a huge disappointment. For many of you who I know had worked so hard for the last, uh, the last several years or even decade of, from elementary through junior high and high school, or whether it's college, uh, whether it's your bachelor's or even master's programs or your doctorate, all of a sudden uh, festivities such as graduation have been disturbed or disrupted. They've been canceled, they've been moved. And I know that there is an immense wave of, of, of disappointment going around. There's confusion. We're all wondering what is going to happen next. There's disappointment because there were jobs maybe lined up. There were great celebrations that were going to be had. There were trips to be made. There were, there were uh, projects to start. But all of this has been halted, shifted, suspended, or canceled. And that leaves us wondering, now, what do I do with these feelings of disappointment? Okay. Well, my main point for us today, which we're going to be looking at a passage uh, to, to sort of drive this, but the main point that I have for you is that God allows disappointment in order for us to reframe our hope on him. Okay. God allows for disappointment in order to reframe our hope on him. Okay. Our hope uh, is our sort of expectation of what the future holds. Now, of course, you're, this isn't a sermon that's going to solve every single disappointment in your life. Okay, for example, you know, there's going to be days when I, I go to my favorite ice cream shop, which I've been talking about for the past few weeks now, and, you know, they're not going to have the Oreo milkshake one day, and I'm going to be disappointed. Now, I'm not talking about that sort of disappointment, or you get a bill in the mail, uh, or you get a parking ticket or something. Oh, man, this just really puts a cramp in my day. Of course, you will always have things like that that are unexpected that you didn't see coming. But the difference is we're able to sort of move past those things, pick other options, pay the small bill or fine, and move forward. I'm talking about these sort of devastating uh, disappointments that can lead you into different realms of depression uh, when expectations are not met, when things that you would hope for were not seen. It can lead to bitterness. It could lead to anger. It can lead to all of these things. And the Bible is not unfamiliar with this sort of disappointment. Uh, biblical examples of this would involve uh, people like Job, for example. Think about Job's life. If you were to read through the book of Job, here we have a man who is pretty godly. He, he loves God. He's, he's, 
he's viewed as a overall pretty good guy. Uh, he he is very well off. He's very blessed. And all of a sudden, one day, he loses his house, he loses his wealth, he loses his children, and this, this is all in one day, okay? You thought you had a bad day. It's like, oh man, I, I didn't get into that university, and that sucks, that is a bad day, but nothing compared to this guy. Loses his children, his everything, and then his wife is yelling at him, and, and he's, his health goes pretty soon. Bad day for Job, right? Bad life for Job immense disappointment. I mean, 30-something chapters of complaining and going back and forth with his friends uh, about his life choices. And man, the immense disappointment that he had that results in this bitterness and yelling and angry at God. Another example would be Elijah, the prophet Elijah. Not my son, but Elijah, the prophet terrible time, right? He, he, he was so depressed. Here, he placed all of his hopes and expectations in, in his performance. And he's, he's done a lot of great things for God. He called down fire like, God, please, you know, uh, send down and, and eat up this sacrifice and show them that you're God. And he was hoping that through his holiness, through his performance, that uh, his hope was that man, my, my country, my kinsmen, my people will all turn their hearts back to God. And it wasn't so. In fact, uh, one of the most evil women in the Bible turns around and says, I'm hunting you. I put the hit on you. I'm going to kill you. You dead. And Elijah just runs away and he goes into this terrible depression over his disappointment. You could read about that in 1 Kings 19, how he is just devastated to the point where he's asking, begging God, will you just kill me? I can't live. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm no better than my father's, he says. I'm the only one that God has and I couldn't do it. Just immense disappointment. So we see it all throughout Scripture. And I'll be using those two characters uh, to kind of show what God does as we journey through this. Finally, uh, there is, well, the nation of Israel being disappointed over and over. And that's who I'd like to uh, start with as we look in a passage that is a very known, very well known and very beloved passage uh, from Jeremiah 29. And we're going to look at this very comforting passage, a few things about it that I'd like us to know if you open up your Bible to Jeremiah 29, is that this takes place during a very disappointing time in the whole nation of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, uh, known as, it's a period known as the exile, okay? The exile, you can imagine, was incredibly disappointing for these people, okay? Things were going uh, not too, too bad in, in Judah, uh, which was the, the lower half when uh, there was a civil war and the people of God and well, Judah, the lower half, was, was economically all right. It was pretty successful for a long time. And suddenly God sends them uh, into, they're sacked, and they're, they're sent into a place called Babylon, a city called Babylon. Now, you can imagine that that caused quite a bit of disturbance to them, too. <laughs> and by that, I mean they had to learn a new language. They had to uh, adjust culturally to new norms and expectations. It was a different area, different place, different landscape. Uh, all of their lives basically were ransacked. And so that certainly placed everything at a halt for them. So you can imagine the immense disappointment, disarray, depression, anger, all of those feelings uh, that, that we are feeling and more right now. So their crisis certainly led to a lot of disappointment. But God sends a prophet, several prophets, but one prophet in particular through that in Jeremiah. His name is Jeremiah, by the way. 
And he writes to his people in Jeremiah 29 to comfort them. Now, when we get to chapter 29 of Jeremiah, I want to give you a few notes of context uh, that as we're reading, just to keep in mind, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, of course, is, is going to be one that's probably very familiar to you if you've been around church. If you have not, if you're a new Christian or if you're not a Christian, you're just kind of like you were told by a friend to watch this. Uh, you'll, we'll get to it very soon and, and you'll see like, oh, that sounds like a really nice comforting uh, passage and a very nice little verse. Well, indeed, a lot of Christians put it on coffee mugs. Uh, I actually have one in my pantry uh, with, you know, for I know the plans that I've made for you and it's for peace, not calamity, and it's for prospering and, you know, to give you a future and a hope. And, you know, we love as Christians to like, look at that, like, oh, God says this to me. And we sip our coffee and we're so comforted, right? There's a few things to note about uh, this passage before I move on with it. One, uh, that this was written from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, so this was written from uh, the, the homeland, from home. Jerusalem is like the center of God's people in the Old Testament. And it was written to these people in exile, okay? Which leads to a second part. It was written <laughs> to the people of God, specifically to God's people. It's uh, the Lord says to my people, right? You'll see that in verse 4. You'll see that in verse uh, 10 and 11. Um, so it's not an overall like promise or anything to everybody universally, but specifically to the people of God. Thirdly, it's to the whole community. I know a lot of people say, well, you know, the Bible says he knows the plans for you as an individual. But actually, when we read it, it's in the second person plural. Yeah, second person plural means that it's y'all. Okay, I know the plans I have for y'all. Uh, is actually what, what God is saying in this. So taken together, uh, this is God speaking to his people and all of his people. Okay, you are also God's people today. If you follow Jesus Christ, uh, congratulations. You are a follower of God. You're one of his people. And, um, and, so, and you are part of a community uh, of believers. So this also does apply to you in, in every individual way. I, I suppose you could say that. Well, I'm part of the community. So yes, that is true. Uh, we are all God's people. You are not in this alone. You're not in this crisis alone. They were not in the crisis alone, but this was God addressing everybody just as he addresses all of us today. Okay. We ride and die together as, as Tony loves to say, and as, as we kind of have as our motto, uh, for the EM at least, that we ride and die. That means that we, um, we go through good times together and bad times together, okay? But this was written to a whole community of people just like us, okay? So let's get into it. Jeremiah, 10. we're going to start with uh, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, once again, they were, remember, they were hauled over to Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to his to this place that's Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. All right. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me uh, over this scripture? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for uh, being sovereign. That means that you are in charge. We thank you so much that you are with us, that uh, you do indeed have a plan for your people in this earth. You have a plan for this earth. And uh, Lord, that you fulfilled that uh, by, by and shown us that by um, becoming flesh, being with us, by keeping your promise. Um, God, I pray that you'll open up our minds, our hearts, that you'll expand our vision, Lord, that you'll help us to um, mourn and lament well uh, in, the, in a season of disappointment, disarray, um, confusion. And I pray that you will instill in us your hope and expectation of what you are going to do in our lives, that there is opportunity for growth. And I pray that uh, we will um, attain that future that you have for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first things uh, that we note about this passage in Jeremiah tw uh, 29, specifically in, uh, well, in verse 10 and 11, is that, one, uh, when we face times and seasons where we're feeling just really disappointed, wondering like, man, what did I do to deserve this? Or I thought things were going to go this way if I did really well, or I thought I deserved better, or what have you. It's easy for us to lose sight that God is actually still in charge. God is in charge. Okay, we see that in verses 10 and, and verse 11. Okay, uh, we see this also in verse 4, if you were to scroll back up, that actually while they were being shipped off to exile and probably wondering, what have we done? And this was a divine punishment. Not saying coronavirus is or isn't. I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I was not present in the Godhead for that council, okay? But uh, there was doubtless many questions that they had, but God made it very clear to um, the people uh, from Jerusalem that I am the one that is in charge of this. In fact, it says, I carried you out <laughs> into exile, right? I am still in charge of all things. Uh, I have plans for you uh, over and over. It says like, okay, I will bring you back. God is in charge of uh, all things things okay and he never ever leaves his people okay he never leaves or forsakes his people god knows exactly what is going on and he always provides an exit strategy I, i'm sure that many of you are facing uh lots of just disappointment and, and wondering like now what how what are we supposed to do like did god mess up or did God like forget about me here or did God not see what was it was he blindsided you know did how come we weren't better prepared for this first of all relax calm down and know that God is in charge of the universe he is in charge of history he knows that these things will happen but guess what uh, one of the great things uh, that I get from 1 Corinthians 10 13 is this no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
This is a great passage uh, from Paul in 1 Corinthians that, that reminds me that, hey, God is in charge and he's not going to just allow us to sink and fail and drown. He's not the mean kid that's kicking over the sandcastle. Uh, he knows exactly what we're going through as a community and he knows what that means individually for each of us. But we were set up in just a time, in just a place, with the skills that we have, with the finances that we have, with the, the uh, opportunities that we have, with the academia that we have, with the family that we have, with the community that we have, all uh, to be able to go through and endure this. And what that scripture also uh, refers to is that he'll also give you an exit strategy out of any sort of temptation that you may be feeling. You may be uh, frustrated. That's okay. You may be uh, wanting to yell and scream. That's completely fine. But when we look at, again at, at people like Job and Elijah who were just devastated, who were distraught, who were confused, um, God, God was able to uh, take them out of their situation, out of the place that they were physically actually, going uh, to another place and really just showing them the bigger picture of what is going on. For Elijah, for example, in 1 Kings, uh, he tells him when, when he's saying, look, I'm the only one, God, and I messed up, and gosh, I'm the only one. He's like, hey, by the way, I have 7,000 other people who are faithful to me, <laughs> Elijah. Okay, there are seven. I know exactly what is going on. They were able to see a bigger picture. Okay, again, uh, God allows us to go through disappointment. Why? To reframe our hopes on him. And that sometimes means taking us out of, of the, the framework that we're currently in. He'll shift things around in order that we could see a better view of him. For Job, for example, he literally is like, okay, I've heard you. I've heard your complaint. I know that, you know, this is really a struggle for you to see right now, but... Let me, let me broaden your horizon a little bit, Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? I'm not even sure how to answer that. <laughs> and that's, that's actually what Job said towards the end of God's, uh, um, God's speech was, I put my hand on my mouth. <laughs> you know? right? It was just so much bigger than he thought. He was able to realize that, okay, God knows exactly what he is doing. So don't think for a minute that because you had to move a wedding or because, you know, you're not going to see graduation, that God was unaware of this, that it's blindsided to him uh, or that he's somehow mean and, and uh, you know, just wanted to see you flounder a little bit. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not the mean kid who's going to kick over your sandcastle here. But instead... Uh, point number two is that God actually has a plan, okay? He is in charge of all things, including history, but he also has a plan. It's not that things randomly happen in the universe and God's like, okay, hmm, what am I going to do now? Well, you're upset. Oh, dang it. All these people are so upset right now. He actually has a plan. Verse 11, uh, again, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I, literally in Hebrew, I myself, it is like a emphasis on me, God, I know the plans that I have for you, right? And that's, again, for my people, those who are following after me, this community, I know exactly where I need them to be. This is uh, emboldened even more when we put it in contrast to uh, verse 10, I'm sorry, to verse 9, okay? If you were to go back I, I, don't, I don't think I have a slide for that, 
But basically, God is telling his people, look, buckle down from verses four to nine. He's basically saying, look, buckle down for the long run. Okay, you're going to be here a little while, but continue on with life, marry, build houses, do all of that. And then he says, beware, watch out for diviners and and prophets who are going to come and say, this is what it must be, what it must mean. And this is what's going to happen in the future. And God basically says, watch out. Don't follow after their speculations and their plans. Don't be building your plans off of what they are saying. But listen to me. I know the plan that I have for you. Can I just say that uh, in the coming weeks and months and and maybe even years, you're going to hear and probably already are hearing a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with the economy. Uh, what's going to happen to us as a nation, what's going to happen to us uh, as a community, um, how we should invest or not invest, whether or not we should do this socially or not. You're going to hear many different speculations. And I'd like to say this, take it with a grain of salt, okay? It's okay to listen to the current information, but there are so many biased things out there that are going to give a lot of anxiety and add to a lot of feelings of disappointment that are just (laughs) <laughs> they're they're non-essential if you will okay it is non-essential disappointment uh, so don't be too hung up on what uh, talking heads are saying or what people are tweeting okay but we as as Christians as people of God want to listen to and keep our ears attentive to what God has in store uh, for our lives as as a, as a community of believers and as individuals okay so God has a plan I know the plans that I have for you, okay? God has plans for us, and they're good plans. It's for shalom. Again, that word we've been over before, it's like this holistic feeling of of, uh, being content in all things. God wants us to be content, even in the midst of, of a scramble, even in the midst of things that are different. God's plan is always for his people to experience peace, and to have an expectation uh, of optimism, of hope, looking to him, okay? That is God's plan for us. Man's plan, not so good. Uh, we, Of course, just like anyone else, I take it day by day. But overall, uh, I want to keep a mindset that God has an overarching plan for history. And that involves me and the community of people that I'm with, my tribe of TLC, right? My tribe of my house <laughs> in Santa Ana. God knows his plan, and sometimes we, God knows his plan, okay? And sometimes we, we fail to make plans with God in mind, don't we? Oftentimes, would you not say that you get more disappointed because of the plans that, that you make or that I make, and then they just don't go through the way that we expect? That's honestly what happened to, uh, to myself many, many times over and over. And I think that's sort of, as I grapple, as many of you know, uh, with with depression, which by the way, I have not had uh, the whole pandemic. Interesting, huh? I've actually been okay as the world burns around me. <laughs> it's weird. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I've noticed that over and over as I was meditating on this scripture and as I was preparing for this sermon that oftentimes it's my own expectation of how things should go. My own plan that makes me disappointed. It's me, it's me thinking, okay, I'm going to go do this, and if I do this, then this will happen, and this person will do this, and, and when it blows up in my face, I become depressed, just like Elijah, or just like Job. I thought that if I continue being this way, and, 
and, and making sacrifice to God, then, then I'll be secure and, and won't have to face trials and tribulation. Well, that's not true at all. And sometimes God allows disappointment in order for us to reframe hope on him. Now, it looks something uh, a little bit like this. Okay. Uh, earlier today, I noticed that uh, George and Elijah, my two sons, were, were doing something and planning to do something in the home uh, that would have been potentially dangerous for them. Uh, they would have gotten really hurt and, you know, I guess at the extreme would have maybe lost life or something or a limb or something. Um, now, this is not that uncommon in our home, okay? They're very rowdy boys. Uh, <laughs> but at first, in my frustration, I wanted to say, you know what? Go ahead and get hurt, right? What a great parent I am. But I thought about it more as I walked away, and I thought, no, I love them too much to allow them to go through with their plan. So I went in and canceled their plan and came up with a better plan for them. In the same way, God loves us too much to allow us to have our plans our way sometimes. He knows that, hey, this is going to be something that won't give you the maximum amount of wholeness and peace in your life. You may have thought that getting into a, a certain school or, or having your marriage on a certain day, that will, that will for sure seal in and guarantee all the happiness in the world. But God actually has better things in store. It may not seem like it at the time, just like when I, uh, when I canceled the plans okay, of, of my, my sons, they were protesting and they're like, this is it all, why are you doing this? Why are you taking this away? It's because I love you too much. And I have a better plan for you. And in the same way, God has uh, much better plans for us. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. It's plans to prosper you. Uh, it is not for uh, calamity. It's not for evil. You have to trust me. But I will give you future and a hope. And in the same way, the plan for Job and Elijah, as, we, as we're walking with these two characters through this passage, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we see that Job and Elijah are both restored. The plan overall uh, was for them to walk through and journey through this time of disappointment. But at the end of it, uh, God recommissions and restores Elijah and says, now go, go back down from this mountain. I want you to go commission your protege, Elisha. I want you to go uh, anoint a king. I want you to go do all these things. Now go. And in the same way, Job, at the end of, of the book of Job, all things are restored. In fact, he's given even more, and, and he now has a, uh, a bigger vision of who God is. And that brings us to our final point, that God's plan for us is to be closer, okay? God's plan for us is always to be closer in relationship, that we will always be closer to our God. When we look at verse 10 and, and verses uh, 12 through 14, let's look at verse 12. Uh, then you will come, okay? Uh, this is when he will visit us, uh, which he says in verse 10, I will come and visit you and I'll fulfill my good word. And then in verse 12, we pick it back up and it says, then you will call on me and come to and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. In other words, I'm going to take you out of the bad situation that you're in. I'm going to bring you back 
uh, to the place which I carried you into exile. And that would be back to Jerusalem. And for us, that Jerusalem is being back with God. God's desire and his plan is always to bring people back uh, to, to himself and to restore relationship with himself and one another. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful promise. We see, in fact, uh, multiple promises in this passage. We find uh, over and over that, uh, that, that that is so true uh, with God's plans for his believers. We know Romans 8.28 is another uh, great passage to remind us of God's plan to bring us back together. That all things work together for those uh, who love Christ Jesus. These verses like this just really get to us. That it's like, wow, God's plan is always to bring us back to himself. And that's, that's an awesome promise that we have. That is always God's plan. That was a plan for Job. That was a plan for Elijah uh, to be close. Uh, God, we see God taking care of Elijah uh, and, and showing Job new things, new, um, new ways of life, new ways of thinking. And even for me on a personal level, uh, over and over again, as, I, as I've struggled with depression, as I've shared with you, you know, God always leads me out of it. And the amazing thing is that I, I feel like I go to an even deeper level with God. There's even deeper intimacy. There's uh, more dependence on Him. There's um, this newfound confidence that I have coming out of it. Uh, as I'm able to look back at, at some of maybe the charred earth behind me that I've had to walk, uh, I, I can hold up my head high and say, no, my God loves me. He is still there for me. And so I can tell you that having been through many different disappointments of expectations that I have, that I brought up, and that God has said, nope, I'm going to throw those out. I'm going to give you something even better. Uh, when, I, when I've learned to trust in that over and over, wow, I have so much more hope and so much more to hope for. The ultimate hope that we have as believers uh, is is in Jesus Christ. He is that ultimate promise uh, that he had for, for the Old Testament people of God, Israel, and also for, of course, us today. That God is in charge. He does have a plan, and his plan is to bring us close through the cross. Jesus Christ uh, came to this earth. He bridged that, that cosmic gap, uh, became flesh. He taught. He loved. He showed us the way. He became king over all of us, but he died and then rose again. Now, question about Jesus. Does Jesus ever disappoint? Yes and no. Yes and no. I know I may be the only preacher that will say Jesus can disappoint. I know you're like, what is going on here? What is wrong with you, Evan? I want to shake your neck. Jesus never disappoints. He does not disappoint in that he is the fulfilled promise of God from ancient days where he said, I will fix the brokenness and disappointment. I will wipe away all the tears. I am going to send my son to die for you so that we can be together, so that uh, you can learn and grow in me and that one day you can reign with me in heaven. Yes, all of these things are still coming, but Jesus was that fulfilled promise for us that opens the door literally as Romans 5 puts. We'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. But does Jesus disappoint? In a way, yes. And here's how. Once again, when we create our own expectations and put our own hopes and dreams in other things, then yes, absolutely. He'll disappoint over and over. 
I'll give you an example of how this happened. He disappointed the nation of Israel. They thought at the time that what they needed and their expectation and their hope was that there would be this military leader who would come in at the time of Jesus and and just ravage Rome and kick them out and, and liberate the people and give them freedom to live the way that they wanted to live again. He disappointed the disciples over and over. How it was like, well, Jesus, isn't this how things should go? And he introduced this concept of grace where people don't necessarily get what they deserve. They get better. And that's just an amazing, like, what, what do you mean? They should, they deserve hell. We deserve hell. But yet God in his grace says, I know, but I'm gracious. And I actually want to transform you. Welcome. Come on in. This is amazing. Jesus likely disappointed the disciples very deeply when he died on the cross. We thought that this you were going to reign and establish your reign and be crowned king, not wear a crown of thorns. But even, even, even the, the closest people to Jesus went through this sort of uh, disappointment. Yes, indeed. But that was all because their expectation and their hopes were hanging on other things. I'm not saying that it's not okay to be disappointed. Of course, it is a, it's an emotion. It is something that we all will struggle and go through with. But what I, I can tell you is this, that there is still a true hope, a better hope, and that God actually allows for these times of disappointment to happen in order for us to reframe our true hope on God. And for us to know that Jesus rose again does give us hope that, ah, there is actually something else that we can hang our hopes on. Look at Romans uh, 5, uh, 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, okay, we've been declared innocent through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope, the expectation of the glory of God. Not only so, but also glory in our sufferings, in these bad things that are happening, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Ah, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So Jesus basically opens that door for us to reframe all things, even current trials, uh, sufferings, disappointment. Jesus actually uh, enlarges our ability to uh, have greater expectation of what God must really be doing and rids us of all of these other little expectations. And again, we may have little bumps along the way. There might be days where they don't have your favorite ice cream. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these big, devastating disappointments in life. Through the ashes, through the curling up in a fetal position, God does not leave you. He is still in charge. He has a plan for his people, always. And that plan is to bring us closer to him. So here's some reflective questions and some application for you, TLC. One, what are your current expectations? What are your hopes and dreams? What are your expectations, TLC? What do you dream about? What do you uh, hope to accomplish in life? Okay, And these are not bad things. Sometimes they're even given by God. But here's the second one. Are you willing to trade your hopes and future over to God? 
When I was called to be a pastor, that was one of the things that I clung so deeply to uh, as uh, I had just graduated and I was working a few years um, uh, behind the scenes in film. And I remember uh, sitting at, at the editing suite one day and God just just really nudging on my heart and attacking. I'm like, okay, I have to pray. I don't know why I feel compelled to pray and I have to pray. And what God got me on was the one idol that I had uh, left. I'm sure I have many, but there was one. And he said, I want your future. And I just broke down and cried and I screamed. I said, no, Uh, it was my future because I was young, was young. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? No matter what, I still have many, many years ahead of me. How foolish. First of all, I don't know how many years I have. I can die at any time. But secondly, I was still holding on to that for myself. And I knew that, yeah, I'll do some things to make God happy like Job. Or, you know, I'll I'll, I'll be really performance driven. And and, and, and I'll just hang my hat on what I'm able to do uh, for God. And he came to me and just destroyed me and said, are you willing to give me your future and your expectations and your hopes? in trade for what I have for you? Do you trust that I have something better that includes me in it? Do you trust that? Do you trust that? Are you willing to give those hopes, those expectations of from the future on out? Look, the state is opening up very soon. Uh, you know, eventually we're, we're gonna start to matriculate back into schools. We're gonna physically meet up again. The future is uh, pretty much a blank slate almost, right? Now, what is God asking you to do? What are you going to trade? And are you willing to accept what he is going to trade with you? The hope and the future that he has for you. TLC. Does that mean that we don't plan? No, absolutely. Of course we plan. We still have to plan. We're not just going to sit around and be like, well, I'll just wait for a knock at the door. And, uh, you know, the a boss, a CEO of a company is going to say, well, God, yeah, I was praying and God just told me to hire you and find you. No, of course, we still have to make plans. And in Jeremiah 29, we see that from verses four to nine. Uh, we see, hey, God's like, hey, settle down in this in this new way of life. Take, uh, take wives and marry and, and husbands and build houses and gardens and all of these things. So they are told, hey, make plans and continue to live your life, of course. But how do we plan well uh, for the future with God? Okay, a few things. One, as I just said, make plans with God. Makes sense, right? Make plans with him. Uh, bring them up to him, okay? And hold, secondly, hold loosely to those plans, okay? Sometimes God gives us those ideas and we start to move in that direction. Obviously, as we come together for prayer and uh, as a community, we, we you know sense a movement of God. We see that again and again. So we have to actually make plans and move forward. But we also, we also want to Uh, hold loosely onto those things, not put all of our eggs into that and say, this is what I'm setting my hope on. The hope is always in the person of God, right? I love what James has to say about this, the book of James, very end of verse of uh, chapter four, very end, uh, I'm sorry, very end of chapter, yes, chapter four, verses 13 through 15. Says now, listen, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know 
what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Okay. So what James basically reminds us of is when we're making our plans, make sure to say, well, in our hearts, you could say it out loud if you want. If God wills, then this is what we will do. Okay, that automatically ties what we want to do and what, you know, these dreams that we have and these expectations to what God's will may be. So it's always holding things loosely and saying, okay, my expectation is I know that God will somehow form it <laughs> and it will somehow be for the benefit of me and him coming together and for uh, the benefit of those around me. Okay, and some people I know actually say, well, if God wills, and you're free to do that, you certainly may. If it's too Christianese for you, don't worry about it. But as long as it's in your heart uh, where you are making plans in the future saying, if God wills, I'll get into this college. If I don't, it's okay. He has something else. If God wills, I'd love to marry this girl. That is what I said many years ago. I prayed about my wife, Ying, and I'm like, Lord, if, if you will, I would love to have her in marriage. And if not then I trust that you have better for her, another man that will take care of her and that you'll have somebody to take care of me. And I trust that, right? And there's an example of where he granted that, where it's like, well, that went together, right? So make plans with God. Uh, it doesn't mean that your current hopes and dreams and expectations of going to a place, building a certain thing, having a project, going on this uh, dream, maybe not a cruise, but a dream vacation. Okay, it doesn't mean that God is going to be like, no, <laughs> right? Sometimes uh, that is in line with him, but it's always going to be to bring him, uh, bring you closer to him in some way. And thirdly, to seek God with all your heart. Uh, maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Uh, maybe, again, you were forced to watch this. You were sent a link or something. It's like, hey, watch this, man. Uh, these are some of the things I believe. And uh, again, welcome. Uh, there's a great verse in here uh, in verses uh, uh, in verse 13 and 14, which basically says, hey, when God visits, okay, in other words, when God starts to knock on your heart or when you just have this sense of like this draw of something bigger um, to actually pray. And that means to open up your mouth and actually say, OK, I'll have a conversation. And not only that, but to seek God with all your heart then you will find uh, God. He doesn't make it very hard, okay? He, he, he came down and died for us uh, so that he can forever be with us. And so he doesn't make it very hard. But when you feel that nudge, uh, then you seek him with all uh, of your heart and with all of your mind. You start to have that conversation and, and see where God takes you. It's going to be to incredible places, okay? And that's for all of us as the people of God and those who may be just joining us who, who feel that knock already, that we're always to seek God uh, through all plans, okay? Whether it's church plans, secular plans, vacation plans, marriage plans, college plans, whatever it is that um, we lift it up to God and uh, we move forward and we, we hold loosely to that, knowing that our true hope and expectation is on him. So again, uh, TLC, God is in charge, okay? God does have a plan. That plan is to draw us close to him always. And he allows for times of disappointment like this um, in order for us to, to reframe our hope and our, our true expectation on him. My prayer uh, that we'll be able to hone in on this message, that we will be able to grasp that. And uh, especially those promises that, you know, as we seek him, 
uh, that as we're feeling him, as we're as we're just like going through all of this, that it's okay to lament, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to mourn at uh, what could have been, but not to stay there forever and to reach for uh, what God does have for us, a better future, a better hope, one that is with him. So I pray, um, I pray church that uh, we'll be able to do that together um, and be able to just see what where it takes us, what God actually does have in store for us, because it will be infinitely better than anything we could have imagined or hoped for uh, ourselves, all right? So I love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I give you thanks for, wow, this this amazing message, God, uh, that you have for us, God, the, the hope that we have, the expectation that we have, um, and we know that we can trust because uh, Jesus Christ became flesh, died, and rose again, Lord. We know that we can trust in your future and your hope. So we, we trade in these other ones. We hold them up to you, Lord. Take what you need away and, and uh, help us to receive what you have for us and uh, help fulfill whatever it is that you've already put on our heart that is good, that is of you. I pray that uh, you will help us through disappointed times, through depression, through uh, anxiety, through through anger, through uh, all of the confusion, all of these different emotions. Will you help us uh, to get a broader, bigger view of who you are and help our hearts to expand in love and perseverance and character uh, through this? Will you help us to, to know uh, that that hope is, is one that is, is sure, uh, that we will be able to see those things as we reach for you more and more. So will you bring us together, God, um, to be closer to you in the coming days, weeks, and months. And will you help us to reach for others and bring them out of the mire and, and, and send along this message as well, this message of hope, a greater hope than, than any uh, outlet on earth can offer. Um, one of peace, one of love, and one that is a for sure. So we thank you for this time. We lift up this time of, of prayer and, and, and um, and worship, digital worship and digital offering up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.